Hey guys, if you really enjoy this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. All right, guys, here we go. Episode two. This is Dr. Linda Hazard's crazy fasting routine that has been killing all these people. Now, in the first episode, we basically talked about the two sisters, Claire and Dora. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about how Claire actually dies from the fast and kind of what that looked like. We're also going to talk about how Dora escapes this whole thing and survives to tell the story. We're also going to dive into the fact that the doctor was actually giving her own autopsies. And in one case, she actually replaced a cadaver with another one and tried to pass it off like it was someone else. But anyway, we're going to get into that. So thank you so much for coming back to episode two. And I hope you guys enjoy. The doctor finally suggests, and um, Dora actually gave in. So she goes to the younger sister, and the younger sister, Dora, says, it might be a good thing to have my valuables in a safe. And then the doctor says, oh, and don't forget those rings, that, that you know, the rings that you brought with you. She slipped the diamonds off Dora Williamson's thin fingers and smiled sweetly. <laughs> so now you know Okay, so <laughs> seriously, there is an awesome documentary on Amazon Prime. Um, I forget what the actual name of it was called. Something about like guardianship. Yeah. Or, I, I forget what the name of it was. But it was about there's like this loophole law in Nevada where people can be and I think you can be this in other states too but there's a particularly like large loophole in Nevada um, where you can be a guardian and like pretty much just like go up to an elderly person's house and be like you can't take care of yourself I'm your legal guardian, and they haul them off to an assisted facility, oh and God, they make them sign papers that's to be a legal guardian. That's not a recent thing. That's this it story. It is actually this, happening in true life today. This happening. It was really well done. It's It has good intentions if you lay it out, but the incentives are so fucking skewed. Basically, you can apply to be a guardian for someone who t- can't take care of themselves, but that means you get to go into someone's life and have complete power of attorney over all of the Including matters their bank accounts of their lives. Okay. And that is a fucking nightmare. And, and that doesn't even, I, I really wish I don't even want to have control of my own bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Never mind anyone else's man. If anyone else knows how to handle money and you want to take care of my bank accounts, you got like $7 in but your they bank they drain Actually, their I accounts. have negative four cents. Thank you very much. But they drain <laughs> well, the accounts. So people who take care of your bank account, Jen, they're going to be in debt. They're going to have to pay your negative account Which balance. is why I need someone to take <laughs> care of me. Jen's looking for a sugar daddy. Any land deeds, dear? Yes, Dora told her. I have deeds to land in Vancouver. Very well. I'll secure those as well. I'll store the lot in my office safe for a few days before I can take them to the bank. At this point, the nurse that's looking over them really doesn't want to be there, but she starts getting really, really worried. And she went to... Rec- retrieve uh claire one evening and she took her to their part they're back to their buena buena vista apartments she went into the bathroom and looked in the bathtub where they do the enemas all day and there was a a, a pail like a bucket right Mm-mm. and usually the bucket is full of liquid water because Ooh. if you're not eating anything but broth there's nothing coming out of your colon yeah exactly so there's nothing there what else could be there well the nurse actually went into the bathroom and saw 
in the pail, little white milky particles. Ooh. Okay. So what has she been eating? Exactly. That was the first thing. Or does thing, she have a disease? That was the first thing the nurse thought of. Is like, why is there anything in there? Did you ever see anything like it before in an enema? No, I never have, Clara answered flatly. She tilted the pail slightly to see its contents under more light. She shook her head. She was mystified. What do you suppose it could be? Ellie Sherman asked once more. I'm sure I don't know. I have no idea. Well, it can't be food because there was no food in her stomach. It looks so peculiar to me. Okay, now we're at day 40 of not eating whatsoever. She's got all the land deeds and a complete power of attorney. Now, I'm not. How did she get them to sign that over? She was just talking to him while they were fucking weak as fuck. I mean, they they can't even read or do anything. They're in and out of consciousness. All you got to be like, hey, sign this. This is um, a letter to your sister. And then it's really a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so easy. But and I'm not going to bring this aspect into the story, but she did have a husband that was also an accomplice in this. And he has a very, very, very sketchy past. So they were both fucking very sketchy. They were entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs. <laughs> now, this is day 40. Day 40, and Dora is completely fucking oh, insane. Oh, my God. Doctor, she's been like this all morning, Nurse Sherman said as Dr. Hazard began to pat Dora's face. Dear, listen to me. You must come out of this now. Dora murmured something incomprehensible. It's your brain, dear, she declared. Your trouble is not your body, but your brain. There's been a reason why doctors haven't been able to figure out what is wrong with your health. It is your brain. Dora looked up and nodded. Yes, my brain. I am hopeful she will come out of this, but it is very delicate. We must wait for the poisons to leave the body, thus restoring the mind, Dr. Hazard told her. (laughs) This is April. It's right at day 40. And the sanitarium actually opens on April 21st, 1911. Okay, so they actually have to bring ambulances out to take the girls to the new treatment facility. Now, at this time, it's still being built, but it is in process. But they do have little cabins out there for them. But ambulances come and they take all the patients. Now, I'm just going over the two sisters. There's like 10 patients there at this time. Okay, and it, which is funny because all the townsfolk, I mean, it's like living zombies walking around. It's, it's very ho- horrific to see. It's like, uh, you know, a Nazi concentration camp, uh, you know, people. Yeah. It's like their skin and bones. It's probably horrific to see. But um, this is the only picture of the sanitarium because it did burn down. But this is what uh, it looked like to give you kind of a better idea. And I'm putting all these pictures on uh, where, where Nicole? Yahoo? Talkmurder.com, bitches. Talkmurder.com. That's not much of a sanitarium. It's like a house, a glorified house. Mm-hmm. At 11 a.m., a small crowd gathered around the twin ambulances. Clara Corrigan, Mary Fields, and the Arthurs and their children were among the onlookers as the sisters were carried out by stretcher. Dora's face was completely covered with a white dressing of cotton bandages. It appeared her hands were bound in a manner of of an Egyptian mummy. Hmm, So it's like she was a corpse already, except she wasn't, but she was. Cheers. No, I'm not. Hypnotic is a good shot. Yeah, it's not bad. We finished the bottle! (laughs) Honestly, I feel like it's a goal every episode to finish a bottle. We're so close to finishing that UV blue, too. Mm. I read that. 
Mary Field shook her head. She was heartsick about the sister's condition, but relieved they were busy. Let's start over. Mary Field shook her head. She was heartsick about the sister's condition, but relieved they were leaving Buena Vista. She took one long. Oh, I shouldn't have put so much <laughs> reading shit when we drink so much. <laughs> I've got it. Reading is see. hard. I'll uh, get it. Uh, I can do it. She took one. No, I got it. She t- looked like she. <laughs> She took one she took one last look at Dora on the stretcher. Her eyes were closed, her head bandaged, her appearance was horrifying. She looked like a skull with a bandage wrapped about it. Circles cut out through the fabric for her eyes. She fixed Claire's weight at less than seventy pounds. Dora slightly heavier. She didn't expect to see either of them again. Now this is in back of the ambulance when uh one of the passerbys sees them. And of course. You know, Dr. Linda Hazard's there and her attorney, John Arthur, Arthur, he was a lawyer. He was he was the doctor's lawyer. He opens the back of the ambulance door. He jumps back there in Claire's ambulance. He pulls out a sheet of paper and a fountain pen. Okay, and he basically says, sign this. It was not a letter at all. It was a codicil to Miss Claire's will. Okay, that was her will, basically given the power of attorney on all of her possessions right there in the back of the ambulance. How shady that is. And this is what the letter said. Nicole, you're probably too drunk to read it. I can read it. The actual one is very sloppy because she doesn't have any energy to write. Dear Margaret, in the event of my death, my books and jewels are hereby given to you for disposition by your according to your own judgment and discretion. This is intended as a bequest to you, as if contained in a formal will and to be treated as a codicil to my will already made. I also hereby give 25 pounds sterling silver per year to the Hazard Institute of Natural Therapeutics in Olala, Kistop County, State of Washington, USA, to be treated as a codicil to my said will. My remains are to be cremated under the charge and direction of Linda Burfield Hazard of said Olala. This letter is also intended as directions to my solicitors in London, Claire Williamson. To get to Olala, the uh, the sanitarium, they have to take the ambulance to a little dock and then they get on a boat. Uh, from the boat driver, he says, um, I was very much surprised when I took one end of the stretchers. It seemed to me it was though the girls didn't weigh more than 50 or 60 pounds at the most. They were so weak and so sick, neither one of them could stand up. So they're basically living skeletons right now. Once they get off the boat and get on the wagon to go to, because this is a whole thing, I mean, you know what I'm saying, to get to the new place. Claire reached out for her sister's hand. The bounce of the wagon had jostled a renewed alertness into her half-dead body. The country. We are here. Oh, Dory. <laughs> Dora, Dora was unable to move. Leave her. the British accents to me, John. Dora Leave was to me. Dora was unable to move her lips to form a response. <laughs> I mean, this is sad, but it's very sad. And you know, it, it's the thing is, guys. Like the whole time, everyone's like, "You're killing yourself," and she's well, like, and "I'm curing myself." Exactly. They're like, "The poison's still in me." I don't want to eat until the poison's gone. And they're literally wasting away. This is literally <laughs> fad diets today. I mean, it really is. Okay, now the savior of this, the the one who actually breaks this whole thing, 
and brings this woman down, basically, is this Australian woman. Now, she was at the time, and the book calls her a sister of them, but she's actually the hired housemaid, you know, like a nanny almost. Her name is Margaret Conway. Her name is Margaret. Sorry, I'm drunk. Her name is Margaret Conway. This is honest. And she has been the nanny of these two girls since they were pooping out their poop holes in little diapers. I mean, since they were little babies, she's been taking care of them. Mm-hmm. You know you know how, like, rich people have that one nanny? You, you remember, like, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where, um, what was that, uh, the butler's name? Uh, Je- Jeffrey. Je- Jeffrey. Yes! Yeah, so you remember, like, he's there always when the kids are going to elementary school, when they're getting their first blowjobs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when they're... <laughs> <laughs> now this is a story all about how my life got turned upside down. Okay. I'd like to take a second if you see right so there. So anyway, she was there since day one. So <sighs> she gets a telegram. Now she knows these girls more than anything. Now this is what the telegram said. And you guys already know that there's some shady shit going on. If you want to read this, Nicole, it's one line. You can manage it. <sighs> Deep breath. Come SS Marama. May 8th, first class, Claire. Now, if you read the book, you'll see that someone of such elegance and class like Claire Williamson would never, (laughs) she would never, ever write a certain word in this. Do do you know what it is? SS? Come. No. What? No. (laughs) First class. First class. As soon as the house, the the woman, the nanny, the woman that's always been there that knows these girls, since the woman that has known these girls since birth, since they're walking around in diapers, she knows them more than anything else. She saw that this telegram said first class and she immediately knew something was wrong because Claire Williamson would never write first class on anything. She didn't she was like too to, classy for that. She was too classy for that. Exactly. It's like a rich person saying Huh, you come on my it's like Warren Buffett, like so rich. He's like, Oh yeah, hop on my private jet. Ha ha. It's like no shit, you have a private jet, you're worth eighty million but he eighty would billion never dollars. Say that. He'd you know be like, saying? Come with me. Yeah, exactly. And you'd find yourself it's on the a same private thing. jet. So, you know, like the guys that like us, like we own these private jets, like we would never <laughs> Us we <laughs> Is this Let me just I'm say, finding out about, like no, you guys having some fun somewhere. We are. Mm, did you guys many already get thousands of dollars in debt? Did but, you like you know. already get t- yacht your yacht murder yeah. to me? And we you, are like, far away from okay, yacht murder to me, but book, it's still a pipe dream. The book says the very idea of it ate her. A woman of means, a woman born into wealth. Claire was not the type to flaunt it in any way. It just was. Margaret pondered the words a bit more. She couldn't let it lie. She decided to make inquiries. This is when it starts coming down. Now, what what I really didn't convey is Dr. Linda Hazard is a very demanding, commanding presence, right? It, like... What she she's she's so confident in herself. Like when you go, she she walks into a room, like everyone's just like, oh shit, you know, you know mm. what I'm saying? Like no one's gonna question her on anything. I mean, she has patients dying, and no one's questioning her authority. Right? She's very commanding. But what she didn't know is this nanny that cared so much for these two daughter, these two sisters, 
was like her her match, right? Her her uh villain or whatever. And in this corner we have Dr. Linda Hazard, the founder of mm. the Fast and Cure. And in the other corner we have Marma, the nanny from London Town. The husband of Linda Hazard knows that Margaret the nanny is coming to the cabins to see like basically what the fuck is what, going on. Where out? the fuck and where did is... he come from? I, I said I didn't really mention the husband, but he was they were entrepreneurs. So the husband, which I really didn't past. go in I didn't I really didn't go into the husband a lot, but he's got a very shady past. He had, if you read the book, you'll see that he was a West Point graduate that became he was a womanizer and he um he had this problem of not paying his debts. There was like a bicycle repairman that had contacted his commanding officer and it was like, he owes me a dollar fifty. It's not much, but I'm poor. I need it. Like, I mean, he didn't pay any debt. Same. So it kind of kind of fits right into this woman, right? Uh. Like very shady. But um, this is what he tells to Margaret. Or yeah, to the nanny. Go ahead. Miss Conway, I have something I must tell you, he said in a manner that would later haunt Margaret as unbecomingly and peculiarly casual. There was nothing in his tone to suggest that what would follow was no greater than a trivial disclosure between parties who had just met. Yes, sir? Miss Clare has died, and Miss Dora is helplessly insane. I am sorry. Whoa! When Margaret finally gets there, the Dr. Hazard openly says hey would you like to see claire's body it's embalmed right and since they're all from originally from australia they don't do that they don't see embalmed bodies you mean england no but they're originally from australia oh Oh, okay they don't see embalmed bodies so she's like sure okay they go into this dark room and it's obviously this very skinny skeleton on the table but she noticed one thing she had a feeling? They almost had a very strong feeling that that wasn't Claire at all. Hmm. And in fact, the, the thing about this is the do- Dr. Hazard would perform her own autopsies. Mm. So they of didn't die did. of starvation. They died because their organs were shrunken or they had some other disease or their organs were like powder and stuff like that. But here's the thing. She's doing the autopsy so she can say whatever the fuck she wants to say. Mm. And it's all lies. To say it wasn't from starvation. And it was from starvation. Right. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, For one patient, uh, for example, quote, upon investigation, it was discovered that the man's digestive organs were of infantile size. And that's why he died. Not because he was fucking starving for 40 days. This from the book Starving Heights. Margaret would never forget what she saw. She would try to eliminate the sight from her mind over and over. At night, she would imagine an English wildflower field running for miles to the sea. She would envision kittens and lambs and a newborn baby, anything lovely, precious, anything that would help her forget the face she stared into that first night in Ulala. She would think of Dora as she was, her flawless skin, her blue-green eyes, and her beautiful auburn hair. Quote, it was ghastly, ghastly, she later explained of the first encounter. Tears spilling down her face, overcome with the memory. I was looking at a death's head. A skull with skin drawn tightly over mm. the bones. Over it all was a bluish tint. You know how blue, Ooh. like uh, older people get blue? Yeah, because of the uh, lack of oxygen in yeah. their blood. 
So, I mean, you saw the picture, Dora. Go to talkmore.com, see that picture. It's our, our pretty, just Google skeleton bad. in Google, yeah. and it's the same picture, the I promise you. The Crypt Keeper. Yeah, the Crypt Keeper. At this point, Margaret stays, and she basically forces herself in there, but she can't just grab Dora, the only one that's alive, which, if you guys remember, is mentally insane right now. Mm-hmm. She's saying rubbish. She's not making sense. Like, when, when your body doesn't get food, like, it deprives nutrients from your organs, like your brain and mm-hmm. shit. Your brain's not working. You get brain damage. Right. She is going insane. Like, for real, insane. She really doesn't even realize her sister is dead. She's just on another planet. She's like if you go to a mental hospital and you see people just rambling on or, or like a crackhead or something. You just rambling on and on and on. Like, they don't make any sense. That's what Dora is right now. But her mission was not to bring her out immediately because if she grabs her and runs, she's going to die. You can't just feed her food. And she realized that real quick. Her body's not going to accept it. Right. And this is what I'm talking about. Uh, she would, when the doctor was away, she devised this plan to start, uh, like, putting cream into, into her broth. And it was a real slow process. But, uh, you know, sneaking little things of food in there to at least jumpstart the system back so she can eat again. But um, this is, for instance, what eating peas would be like for Dora at this time. As seconds slipped into excruciating minutes, then five, sometimes ten, Dora struggled with a single pea as she tried to remove the skin <gasps> with her fingernails. Oh. Oh, how do you, I mean, like, you were that particular to skin a pea? Wow. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at first. I mean, she was falling down and fainting, and it was funny, and it was good times, but now... Day 50, like it's a skeleton. She can't even do anything, and she doesn't make any sense. Here, this is to drive the point home even more. There was practically no flesh at all. All her joints were quite sticking out beyond the limbs. The joints were great protuberates, and the abdomen was a cavity sunk right in and appeared to rest on her backbone. Her spine protruded, and it could not sit down without being seated on a cushion without great pain. On May 27th, 1911, okay, so she's she was there, that's two months, February, March, April, three months, three months go by and she's still there. Ah. May 27th, 1911, she hasn't eaten anything. She officially signs a power of attorney over to the husband, Sam Hazard, mm, a wow. single page document. Not only that, but... The doctor would not only starve them and get and let them die and get their power power of attorney and and cash checks. They were sending, they were going to the bank and cashing checks for themselves the whole time. Not only that, but this is way over the line. This is from Dora later. "Quote: Miss Hazard opened her trunks and tried on her evening dresses. That's her sister, Claire's, <gasps> the dead sister. Tried on her evening dresses and evening cloak, showing herself to Dora in the dead girl's garments. Oh my gosh, that's not <laughs> cool. <laughs> she evidently appropriated whatever she fancied, as only a few trifles were left in the trunks. And Miss Hazard suggested these be given to her sister-in-law, who acted as a washerwoman. What?" Uh. She would wear the dead victim's clothes and rings. And, oh, my God, it's just so fucked. Yeah. It's yeah. so fucked. You know what I'm saying? It's real fucked. And she would wear them in front of Dora. 
It's like, hey, I'm your sister. Look at me. Yeah, it's like your sister did, just did, is dead. Now I'm wearing her garments. But like, does she even know that's going on? Like, was she even yeah. confident yes. enough to know that Dora uh, that that Claire I, I think had she died? Was. It it's it was a power play. It's like I got you, bitch. I can do this, and you can't even leave the bed. So you're wow. gonna die if I want you to die. Type of shit. I think that's what was going on. I really do. Um, because uh, read this. This is a perfect example. This is this is going back a little bit, but this is kind of telling you how how they they were basically trained on command. I mean, they were basically hypnotized by this woman. Claire began to squirm excitedly, almost as a half-starved mongrel would as he raced for table scraps thrown on the kitchen window. In a way, Dora thought Claire had been reduced to something like a dog. Hmm. Dora eventually escapes with the help of Margaret. Is she able to eat again? Not escapes like, you know, let's sneak out at night. The doctor and her husband basically demanded a very, very large sum of money. Or they were not. And and the lawyer that they have is very shady. He was like, yeah, don't let them leave until they pay like $3,000 or whatever it was. It was a very large amount of money. So they actually had to pay all that. Then they just left. At first, the doctor was like, no, she's not going anywhere. She is under my control because I have the legal guardianship. She used that word, quote, no, Dora is not leaving. I have been appointed guardian and she is not going anywhere. I have the laws of the United States of America on my side. We will see about you defying our country's sacred laws. So she was using the guardian law where I'm the guardian. So it's funny, if you read this book, it's like a race to save Dora because Claire dies pretty soon. Claire dies pretty uh, quick in the process of the fasting, right? But now it's like, is Dora going to make it? You know, is she going to survive and everything else? So it's kind of like a, you know, a, like a, you know, what do you call it? Suspense. Oh. It's like a suspense film. It's like, is she going to survive? And she really? does. And when she was taken out, I showed you that picture. She was 50 pounds. Mm. And she barely lived, but she did live. And they ended up putting uh, Dr. Hazard in prison. Oh, good. good. So she gets put in prison. Now, she avoids a death chair because at this point, she's got about 30 dead Oh wow! victims, what? right? I mean, there's about 30 victims Shit. that she's killed. I mean, the reason I only focused on these two is because they were the real prominent uh, types with a lot of wealth. So this really sparked off the investigation. Right. Like once and for all, this was it, you know? And plus when it came out that she was actually stealing all the money and stuff, mm. you know, it was huge. So, but it was, uh, you know, no one knows for sure, but it's probably over 30 victims that had died from this diet. Right now she actually goes to prison and avoids the death penalty because she's a woman. She actually gets paroled a few years what? later. Yeah. And she, so Claire escaped like 1911, almost 1912, you know, going on 1912. Then Dr. Hazard goes to prison and she actually leaves prison on December 19, 1915. So she's not even three years. Oh my God. And as soon as she walks out the door, she's promoting her new book, which is called Diet and Disease and Systematic Cleansing. She also started a scholarship fund and she remained a physician and she finally got her uh, facility erected and she started doing the exact same shit that she was doing. A few more people died. She was in and out of prison 
literally until her sanctuary burned down and three years later she died. Okay. But she, she literally oh, got arrested. Listen, she got arrested for violating the California because she was practicing in California, violating the Medical Practice Act in California. Three years later, she was arrested for another death for an 84 day fast. And Ooh. the guy dies. Wow. Now, the sanctuary, her centarium was like her dream. So this is like her dream going up in flames. When the fire had burned itself down, I remember Dr. Hazard just walking around. I just don't think she was really in her right mind. It just destroyed her. I remember her words to my father were, Art, it's all gone. Everything's gone. Everything I worked for, it's all gone. That's a sad thing. Do you remember the human emotion there? It's all gone. It's all gone. All gone. The great sanitarium burnt to the ground more than 60 years ago. The, s- the smoke and flame signaled the end of everything Linda Burfield Hazard had stood for and everything that had ruined her. All of it, she thought, was gone forever when the place burned to the ground. Gone, but not forgotten. And there's a lot of stuff that I didn't get in with the story, like the husband, his past, and stuff like that. And a lot of the testimonials of people that, like, their family members have died and all this stuff. But at, at first, at first, I was all for her because she obviously really does believe in the cure. But then she started stealing people's jewelry and money, and it was like, ah, fuck, you know. From there, it seems like she had a motive to do it, right? Yeah, but you know, and and that motive was tied directly to the building of her centarium that she really wanted. I mean, that was like her life dream. So she was trying to make money for that, you know. But, I mean, I want to say when she was in prison, it was half and half divided. Like, she had a lot of supporters. I mean, she, like I said, like, you've read a testimonial where someone was cured. She had a lot of people that have left the fast cured. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think somewhere in between, here's what I kind of think happened. I think she's always kind of been a shithead, and she kind of married an even shittier head, and she started kind of getting famous and she was doing this fast. She really believed in it, and it was working. She may have killed a few people, but let's not talk about that. And then as soon as, you know, she is getting really popular, so she wants to build this big sanitarium, and then she finds these wealthy sisters, and she's like, well, this could be, like, you know, the chance to actually get the funds to do it, and that's when she went overboard. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. Her psychology is kind of weird. There's not a lot to go into her history because her history is, like, very, uh, like, her history is not really well known, you know what I'm saying, as far as her childhood and stuff like that. So she died when her thing burned down. Well, two and a half years later, she died, yeah. And her husband... From what? Starvation. From being... No, not starvation. <laughs> but if you look at a picture of her, she... I mean, she was almost starving herself, too. I mean... At least she practiced what she preached. I mean, here's her uh, picture right here. I mean, she's... Not, and look how straight her back is. She must be doing yoga, like right here. Ooh. But she's not, like, fat. She looks like she does the the diet, too. I mean, I definitely don't feel sympathy for her because she's obviously fucking awful. But I do believe she thought the diet was working. And it did work a lot of times. It's either you got a 50-50 chance. Either you'll be cured of everything or or you're dead. I mean, I think if she just had the proper waivers, you know, like paperwork. Um, No, there's still the whole stealing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Guardianship thing. Yeah. So, the, you know, it's funny because that Las Vegas thing on Netflix, 
you know, that she claimed guardianship. So I thought that was a more recent thing, but obviously yeah. this is going back to 1900. She's claiming guardianship, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't know why that is still a thing. I guess it works in some cases, but you know, it's just fucked. Anyway, that's my story. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Taco Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John. Here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. We ain't dry. You ain't dry as nose. All you can eat pancakes for free with purchase of any breakfast combo. No, witches in the Salem. Those witches. They, that's where tie the knot came from. Okay, so when you say tie the knot is actually that the man is going to be impotent. So if the tie the knot is actually a bad thing. If the knot is tied, then the man's going to be impotent on the wedding night. But the only way to untie the knot is to pee through your wife's wedding ring.